Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heba, and happy fucking new year. It is 2024, baby. And I swear, 2023 was the year that we laid the foundation. 2024 is the year we shine. 2024 is the year we sparkle. 2024 is the year that we thrive. Let's fucking go. This is going to be a great episode because... I want this year to be the best year you have had. I would say the best year of your life, but we're on an upwards trajectory, baby. So this is going to be the best year you've had so far, and next year is going to be even better, and the year after that is going to be even better. And this episode is going to be sick because it is going to give you the tools to make sure that this year is the best year you have had yet. You are going to leave this episode feeling so empowered, feeling so in charge, feeling like you know exactly how to create your dream life. So let's fucking go. Let's get into it. But right before we get into it, just quick detour. We just have to do a tiny bit of housekeeping. So there's going to be a couple changes to the show. Nothing major, all good stuff. Number one, we are no longer doing Word of the Week. The reason we're no longer doing Word of the Week is because during Christmas, I was doing a ton of research into human behavior. It's a field of psychology that's always fascinated me. Like there was a period of time where I thought I wanted to go into marketing because I was so fascinated by behavioral sciences and why people make the types of decisions that they do. And now I do this, (laughs) you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> it just we're off to such a weird start already. It's like 30 seconds in. <laughs> I could have been normal, but instead this is what I chose to be. Anyway, I was doing a ton of research into human behavior. And one thing that I consistently found is that people perceive people who use big words to not only be douchey and annoying, but to actually be less knowledgeable and less intelligent. And so the more I thought about it, there there really was no way that I could twist and turn and make this make sense. People consistently find people who just use simple language to sound smarter. So like literally what the fuck is the point? So I was like, okay, we're not doing this bullshit anymore. Let's all use our basic ass vocab and keep going in that way. 
And the other change is that we are going to do a new segment at the end of every show, right before we do Gratefuls, called Foods That Make You Blush. Now, if you follow me on social media, you already know that I do this. And when I post recipes, I always talk about like the blush factor, like how it makes you blush. And that's because blush to me is a vibe. It's an energy. It's like a blushy kind of girl, right? And so, or or gays or theys. Um, no straight men. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but you know, to blush is an energy. To be a blush kind of girl is—it's a whole vibe. It's being empowered. It's being vibrant. It's being—it's being that bitch. It's being that fucking it girl. That's what it means to blush. And so, I want to talk about the foods that help you get there. So, at the end of every episode, I'm gonna list a few foods. It's not—it's not gonna be an overwhelming kind of list. It's gonna be like five to seven-ish different foods that you can eat this week to support you along with what we talked about. So it's going to correspond to what we talk about that week. And so that's our new segment. We're still doing gratefuls because it's scientifically proven to make you happier, to more make you more optimistic, to make you a more positive person. And those are all things that we need if we're going to be a blush kind of bitch, you know? You follow? Okay, so that's that on that. Um, okay, let's fucking get into it. So, fun fact, only 9% of people ever accomplish their New Year's resolutions. 9% of people. That means 91% do not ever meet their New Year's resolutions. Moreover, 23% of people quit within the first week. They don't even make it seven fucking days. 43% of people quit within the first month. But I want to reiterate, 91% of people quit, period. Case closed, end of story. So we're going to backtrack a little bit and think about why it is that everyone is failing. There are a bunch of reasons. Number one, we set, we tend to, we tend to set goals that are way too lofty, that are just not achievable. Number two, we don't tend to have a good sense of how to even achieve these goals. And on top of that, oftentimes people tend to not even know why they want to achieve these goals. And then one of the biggest reasons I would say is that we tend to not address our limiting beliefs that are standing in the way of us meeting these goals. Like one really common New Year's resolution that, you know, people make all the time is to lose weight. And there are a lot of reasons why you might not be losing weight, right? Like all of the things we said, like you don't know how to do it and you're not super tethered to your why you want to do it. But one thing that people don't often think about with weight loss is limiting beliefs standing between you and losing weight. And one thing I see really, really often in women who carry excess body fat is that they use it as a shield and as protection. Like I have someone in my life, I have to speak about this kind of carefully. There's someone that I'm very, very close to who is overweight and she has, as long as I've known her, which is a really long time, she's always struggled with her weight and she's always struggled to lose weight. And sometimes she'll lose weight, but she'll always gain it back. And it 
I finally realized what it was. When she was a young woman, she was touched in an unwanted way. And there have been a few times where she's been looked at in an unwanted way. And she now uses excess body weight to hide and shield herself because she doesn't want to be viewed and looked at in that way. And so she finally is losing weight right now because she's on Ozempic, which like more power to her. She she really needs to. She has like joint issues, et cetera. Like I'm super happy for her. But my concern is when she's off the Ozempic, I think unless she addresses this limiting belief, she's probably going to gain it back. So no matter what your New Year's resolution is, there are probably or like just goals in general. I mean, you could be listening to this podcast at any point in time. That's the thing with podcasts, right? I mean, you know, unless like Apple just (laughs) bans me and takes the whole show down, which let's be real could happen. But you know what's cool? You really can't be canceled if you've never been greenlit. So let's fucking go. But um, but that's one big thing that people are overlooking. And the other thing is we have finite time and finite willpower. So you really need a plan. You need structure. And the good news is there are habits that you can implement that will actually make it such that you will achieve your goals. And we're going to talk about those habits today. So let's fucking get into it. I shouldn't be clapping. This is an audio platform. Wow, I have a shocking amount of energy for someone who literally never sleeps anymore because I have an elderly dog who is in her incontinence era and I'm constantly taking her out and it's a whole thing. And my partner is out of the country. And yeah, so... Let's go. Habit number one that you should implement. This is not going to be a shocker. This is not going to be anything new. This is not going to be a surprise. It's exercise. Okay. So last week during Christmas, I was in D.C. And when I, which is where my family's from, I was with my parents. And when I was leaving, my parents said to me, holy shit, we have never seen you have better posture. Now, let me backtrack. My parents have always been on my case about my posture because I have always been quasi-motoing it around life, which is honestly, like, I'm short as fuck. I'm five foot zero, like maybe a quarter of an inch. Honestly, for a long time, I thought I was 4'11", and I just lied about it all the time. But last year, I had a doctor's appointment, and they actually measured me, and I am squarely, fairly above five feet. And now I will not shut the fuck up about it. But that's short as fuck. I don't have room to be giving up inches, yet I've always had shit-ass posture. And you know why I've had shit-ass posture? Could I have stood straight? Yeah, if I had just been thinking about it 24-7. But we have finite time and finite willpower. And that just wasn't something that I was devoting my brain power to, like stand up straight. No, I was in the middle of getting 25 grad degrees that I never ended up using. I was in the middle of studying for the bar to become a lawyer, not to brag. And then never use that law degree. <laughs> I was in the middle of all this other bullshit. Like I didn't have willpower and energy to spend towards standing up straight. You know why my posture is better now? Not perfect. Still not perfect. There's a 
lot of room for improvement still, but the reason it's better now is because I have much stronger abs and I have much stronger back muscles. So without even thinking about it, I'm automatically having better posture. The other thing that happened when I was leaving, I had a few family friends that I finally got to see while I was down there, including one family friend who is really, really special to me. And honestly, I could talk about her for the next 65 hours. And I'm just going to pivot really quickly before we go on a very strange, bizarre detour about our relationship, because that's neither here nor there. But one thing she said to me was, I have never seen you look so confident. She's like, you literally just exude confidence. Like you just, you're thriving, like you're shining or sparkling in a way that I've never seen before. And I was like, baby girl, I'm barely sleeping. Like I peed in the elevator four times last week. I literally sleep in three-hour increments because I have an elderly dog that can't go on pro-in, and so we're constantly going outside. My household is treating our elevator like it's some kind of fucking urinal. Like, I, I might have some kind of bizarre mental health condition because when I sit on a toilet, I can't pee, and when I'm in the elevator, my bladder is like, let's empty out now. Like, I am not thriving in any way, shape, or form. But you know what she was referring to? I seemed really confident. I'm just joking. I really, I think I'm pretty confident. I don't know. I'm confident in some ways. I'm not in other ways. That's, that's, that's not what we're here to talk about. But I was exuding all this confidence because my posture is so much better. And my posture is so much better because I fucking exercise. Now, wanting to exercise is not a groundbreaking thing, especially, you know, beginning of January times. But here's the thing. People tend to want to exercise because they want to lose weight, because they have some kind of aesthetic goals. And I will tell you, there are a lot of really good reasons to exercise. Wanting to lose weight is not one of those reasons. And here is why. Let's say you work out for an hour. An hour is a long amount of time to work out and you fucking give it your all. You're taking no breaks. You're going exercise to exercise to exercise. You're doing those, what are they called? Um... (laughs) What are they called when you do an exercise that's like two in one, like you squat and you do like bicep curls or something? It's it's a super, super set, super set. I think a super set. Like you're doing super sets. You're taking no breaks. Your heart rate is up. You're weightlifting. You're doing all of the fucking things. You're working out as hard as you humanly can. The number of calories that you would burn in that type of exercise, you could eat in 7.5 seconds. Okay. Exercise is a drop in the bucket when it comes to losing weight, but there are a lot of other really, really, really good reasons to exercise. Exercise protects every single organ in your body, including your fucking brain, okay? Study after study after study shows the brain benefits that exercise, particularly resistance or strength training, has for your brain. On top of that, it helps elevate your mood. It reduces anxiety. It reduces depression. It helps with sleep. It helps with memory. It helps with concentration. It just makes you a happier and more optimistic person. And from a nervous system perspective, because we are all fucking in on the nervous system in 2024, Exercise mobilizes energy. And no matter what your goals are this year, 
or at any point in life, I can guarantee you, you need mobilized energy to achieve those goals. Okay, so now that we've talked about why you should be exercising, let's talk about how to start exercising. I will die on this hill, start small, go low and go slow. I think the biggest mistake that you can make and the reason why people, everyone, everyone fucking has exercise on their New Year's resolution list. Sorry if you're watching on video and you're watching me like weirdly contour my body and um, scratch myself. I was a little itchy. You know, I have this weird insecurity. (laughs) I'm I'm laughing because it's It's going to be the strangest thing you've heard all day. I feel like when I am itchy and I scratch myself, I feel like I look like a kangaroo. (laughs) I can't explain it, but like I'll maybe I'll find a clip of the way kangaroos scratch themselves. But I swear I look the same way. It's like I can't explain. It's so fucking weird. Okay, let's just move right along, especially for the audio listeners who are like, why are we doing this weird intermission? And honestly, for the audio listeners, I will tell you, you're missing out on a lot by not watching on video, but I will not shit on you because I tend to listen to podcasts on audio also because I listen to podcasts while I'm doing things. Otherwise, I'd be watching television. But let's move right along. The biggest mistake that people make is They set a New Year's resolution. I'm going to start exercising. And then, you know, they sign up for the gym or whatever. And they go, they show up. Do they do their 30-minute exercise? And they're like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be so good. And then maybe they go once again. Maybe they even go a third time. And then they never fucking go again. It's too much. It's too extreme. Why would you do that? If you don't exercise right now, you know what your goal should be truly Truly what your goal should be, five minutes, five minutes, master five minutes a day, then graduate and do a little bit more. I really made exercise a habit for myself in 2023, and I'm incredibly proud of that. And you know how I did it? Okay, so when I was in college, we (laughs) used to do this video. I would call it a YouTube video because we did pull it up on YouTube, But to call it a YouTube video implies that someone filmed it and uploaded it onto YouTube when in actuality this video was filmed in 1981 approximately and someone I think literally like ripped it off of their television and uploaded it illegally onto YouTube. But you can find it on YouTube. It's called 8-Minute Abs and it's really fun. Um, It's very 80s. Everyone's in 80s kind of gear and the guy's like, come on gang, we're gonna do our abs. (laughs) It's so cheesy, but it's honestly pretty fucking good. And you know why I did that? A, because it's literally eight minutes and I could get myself to do something for eight minutes, but not anything. Abs I was willing to do. You know why? Because you're laying on the fucking ground. That's why. Okay. If it was someone who was like eight minutes of cardio, I would have been like, literally go fuck yourself. Literally go fuck yourself. I am not doing anything cardio for eight minutes, but abs laying on the ground. Sure. Sure. I'll wriggle a little around for eight minutes while laying on the ground. And that's how I got started. And then once I was able to master doing eight minute abs on the regular, then I graduated to doing eight minutes of arms and eight minutes of glutes and things like that. 
But I still didn't touch cardio, which for me was the thing that I never was going to do up until I still actually really don't. I I should be doing more cardio now that I think about it. I mean, I don't. I do solid core now, but I I have the metrics because I use the aura ring. And honestly, my heart rate doesn't get that high during solid core. So you know what? Maybe maybe a goal I could set for myself this year is to start doing a bit more cardio because I actually, um, you know, it's, it's important for heart health. Nevertheless, go low, go slow, gradually build on it. So pick like maybe for you, it is in abs. Maybe for you, it's doing squats. Maybe, maybe for you, it's fucking cardio. Maybe you're like, you know what? I, I could do like 20 jumping jacks a day. Pick something that you actually can do something that's more than what you're doing right now. So like, let's say right now you walk a lot, beautiful, stunning. Walking is amazing. Do you think you can spend five minutes I don't know. I don't know. Dancing, like whatever it is for you, but just pick something that you can do and that you can adhere to and you can make a daily habit. And once that becomes a habit, then you can build on it. Then you can make it more. I started this year doing eight minute abs. I now go to solid core every fucking morning. Okay. But I built gradually. I never pushed myself beyond what I was capable of doing, what I truly could master in that moment. Okay, so that is habit number one that I think is just so fucking important. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Habit number two, active breath work. Okay, I know I've told... Four million stories about how active breath work has changed my life, right? Like not two weeks ago, I told a crazy unhinged story about how I peed my pants and I lost my mind. And then a few weeks later, I peed my pants again and I wasn't that affected by it. And it's because I was doing all this active breath work in between and I increased my stress tolerance. And honestly, I think all that people have gathered from this story is that I like should be in diapers or I should just like get a part of my brain chopped off because like what the fuck is going on? (laughs) So I'm not going to bore you with stories like that. Instead, I'm going to tell you a story that a listener wrote in to me because I think this will fully illustrate what I mean. Okay, so let me backtrack. So this listener signed up for the Blush Academy right around when it came out because she was really struggling with a lot of anxious attachment and she realized that she really, really wanted to meet her person, find her soulmate, find her partner, find her boyfriend, and it just wasn't happening for her. In dating situations, she was grasping on too tightly. She was kind of like, 
without realizing it, giving off a little bit of like needy and desperate energy. And she didn't mean to be at all. Like, in fact, I think she really came into it with kind of cool girl energy. But people can see beneath that, even if they don't realize that they can see beneath that. And beneath that, she had a lot of desperate energy. And then on top of that, every time things started to pick up with someone, she would inevitably kind of blow it up because of her protest behavior and things like that. So she does the nervous, uh, not the nervous system course, sorry. She does the attachment styles course and she really is able to move towards secure attachment. She meets someone, things go amazing. They start dating. They've been in a relationship. Everything has been really, really great up until a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago, she gets a new job and it's this job that she's always wanted. Like it's, it's in her field. It was a dream job of hers. She gets it great. And it's a really fucking stressful job. She said she has to be there really early every morning. She tends to get off pretty late at night. Even when she's home nights, weekends, she gets calls from her boss. Like it's like a devil wears Prada type of situation. You know, it's super fucking stressful. And ever since she started this job, she said she's been breaking out. She gets acne like crazy. She said her belly is constantly sticking out to the point where she said none of the rest of her has really gained weight, but like her belly is so round that she's had to accommodate. She's had to buy different clothes. Like she can't button her pants sometimes. Everything else of it's fine, but the, the belly is constantly distended and she's fighting with her boyfriend suddenly when all this time they've had like the most peaceful, amazing relationship. All of a sudden they're fighting and it's the type of fighting where she doesn't even know what the fuck they're fighting about. It's like later she'll look back and be like, what happened like I don't even know if I should be mad I don't know if I should be sorry like I literally don't even understand what happened and the other thing is that she's noticed she's been really irritable and snappy with her family who she really loves and adores and they're great but it's like she can't control herself anyway so she was listening to an episode of this podcast from a few weeks ago where I was talking about the importance of active breath work and because she's in the blush academy she went and she was like, all right, let me fucking give it a try, right? Because like she could recognize that she was stressed and that probably stress was causing all of these problems for her. And so she's like, all right, fuck it. Like she goes in, she finds, I think in the Blush Academy, it's called breath work to increase mental and physical strength and resilience or something like that. She starts doing that breath work practice every single day. She said within two weeks, acne's gone belly's flat. The fighting with the partner stopped. She's performing better at her job and she's way more pleasant and nice with her family. And here's the kicker of it all. She said December is the busiest time in her industry. She did not say what job she works in, but I think I need to follow up and ask and just like warn everyone, don't fucking go into this line of work because it sounds terrible. But she said December is their busiest month. So it's not like she just has less work stress. She said, if anything, she has more work stress than ever. But because she's doing this active breath work, her stress tolerance is so much bigger that she no longer feels as much stress. It feels like less stress, even though it's actually 
just on a metric scale, it's way more stress, but it feels like less for her. And that is what active breath work does. It increases your capacity for stress so that you can hold more and it feels like less. And that is the beauty of doing things like active breath work or even hard exercise or intentional cold exposure or sauna or these things that are difficult. When you intentionally do hard things, then you cope much easier when hard things happen to you. And that is why you do them. So now that we've covered the why, let's go into the how. What I really recommend, just like with exercise, go low, go slow. Do one minute a day. Once you master one minute a day, make it two minutes a day. Once you master that, make it five minutes a day. And if you're in the Blush Academy, there are a bunch of breathwork practices that you can pick from and do the active ones. Do the ones that are within the... um, what's it called? If you're in the nervous system course, it's under proactive tools rather than reactive tools. Do those breathwork practices. In fact, I think the express sampler is really, really great because each type of breathwork you only do for a couple of minutes. So you're not going to get overwhelmed as easily. And quite frankly, you don't even have to do the restorative ones. You could just do the really hard active ones. But also, like, if you're not in the Blush Academy, like, I'm not, I'm never gatekeeping information. The only thing is the Blush Academy is a platform for me to literally verbally guide you through these things. Like, on the podcast, we don't have the time for me to sit and guide you through how to do a breathwork session. The Blush Academy is just a platform for me to do so, but it's not, like, me ever trying to gatekeep anything. Like, it's not, like, my margins aren't that high on it. The only reason I charge money is because it costs me a lot of money to put it out. So I have to get it back. That's all. But there are plenty of active breathwork resources like look up Wim Hof breathwork, look up Tumo breathwork. The only thing I say is when you're trying to build this into a habit, start small. Don't push yourself. So like one thing you can do, literally set a timer for 60 seconds a day and just inhale, exhale as fast as you can. Another way, um, this is a kundalini thing, like not to make things toxic. Um, If you don't know about kundalini, look it up because we're not going to get into it today. Um, But there's some like real shady shit. But listen, it helps a lot of people. One thing you can do, it's called breath of fire. There's like arm stuff and eye gazes and stuff. I'm not going to get into that. I just want to talk about the breath. Take in a deep inhale and then push it out in one second increments. It's automatically going to force you to go in and out. So you'd be like, and then, okay, you can hear what I'm doing. Um, Ooh, getting a little bit lightheaded. So just do that for approximately a hundred breaths. Just count as you're doing it in your head. Do it for approximately a hundred breaths and then just let it go. Just do it for a minute. And then once you master that, do it for two minutes, do it for three minutes and just keep going like that. But including that in your life is really going to not just mobilize energy, but like I said, it's going to Increase your container so that you can hold more. And no matter what your goals are for this year, they're going to require you to hold more because otherwise you would have achieved them. Like if, if you could have 
if you had a strong enough nervous system for what it is that you want, then you would already have it. But the fact that you don't have it shows that your nervous system isn't quite strong enough to hold that. And having a strong nervous system is so important, whether it's career goals, whether it's relationship goals, whether it's interpersonal goals, all of these things require a really strong nervous system. So this is the easiest, the fastest, and the most actionable way to truly strengthen your nervous system. Okay, habit number three. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Reduce screen time. And by that, actually, what I really, really mean is to reduce your blue light exposure. Okay, so I take my dog out approximately once every 45 seconds because she's in her incontinence era and there's medication that they make for old lady dogs because old lady dogs who've been spayed tend to become incontinent eventually. I don't actually fully understand the science of this because in human beings, my understanding is women who've given birth become much more likely to become incontinent. But yet there's something about dogs were spayed where they tend to become incontinent. I don't really know how it works. I did have a dream last week, though, that Sam got pregnant and had so many puppies. And I just remember being like, A, this is magic. B, when did she have sex? Like, I feel like I would remember that, but neither here nor there. Anyway, so she's in her incontinence era and we go out constantly. And at night, literally a demon possesses her body approximately 9 p.m. every night. And we spend all night trying to exercise that demon out of her body. But she is truly an absolute cunt on our night walk. And she's so fucking bossy and she's so demanding with which direction she wants to walk in. I mean, it is, it is, 
It is one of the big stressors in my life. It's the reason I do breath work. It is the reason I exercise to strengthen my nervous system so I can deal with the demon that possesses her body every night. Anyway, so she has this new direction that she really likes to walk, which is in Chinatown. By the way, the her directions where she likes to walk are really based kind of exclusively on where has the most garbage that she can find and eat off of the streets, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, so she really likes walking in Chinatown lately. And in Chinatown in New York, there are all these, um, they're like souvenir shops, souvenir shops, and they sell all of these knockoff products. It's a lot of like I heart NY type shit and like property of NYPD and stuff like that. And then knockoff Yankees caps and knockoff Disney stuffed animals and just like shit that I guess when you come to New York, you want to buy as souvenirs and take home as gifts. And you know, New York famously is the city that never sleeps. And I'm now the bitch that never sleeps because I'm constantly taking that bitch out. Anyway, so when we leave for our night walk, I tend to be pretty sleepy because I've already been winding down. You know, I take my CBD melatonin gummy and then I often take my night herbs, which will have some kind of like relaxing and unwinding kind of herbs in there, a little chamomile, a little valerian root sometimes if I'm really getting fancy. You know, I take my night herbs. I, I like to unwind. So when we go on our evening walk, I usually am kind of sleepy and I'm kind of I'm real ready to get into bed because it's the very last I've already brushed my teeth I've already well I don't wash my face but I put on a little moisturizer or something nowadays um you know I've already done all of my things and I'm ready to get into fucking bed and then this new fucking souvenir shop opened on our night walk route and when I tell you they have lights the brightness of the surface of the sun. It is the brightest fucking place I have ever been in in my entire goddamn life. And there are fucking LED lights that are really cool in tone. They are so bright. It, it, it's like walking through the red light district, except the lights aren't red. They're a bluish white. And instead of leaving with my dick sucked, I leave with a hole in my fucking cornea. It is the brightest place I've ever been ever. Like I should move all of my content creation into that store because I've never been somewhere so bright ever. And I noticed something. Every night up until we reach that area, I'm sleepy, 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 so excited to get into bed when we get back. And then when we pass that store, all of the sleep leaves my body. And here's why. The reason has to do with the frequency of light colors within light. Okay, so let me explain. I'm not a scientist, but, you know, I can put it into layman's terms for you. So the sun, which is our natural source of light on this planet, has all of these different color frequencies in it, right? Every kind of shade is within the sun. And that's why, like, you know, people say white isn't a color. It's actually the combination of all the colors. That's what's going on there. So light is really a combination of all these different 
color frequencies. And the sun has all of the different free color frequencies in it, but there are varying levels throughout the day. So when the first sun first rises in the morning, there's very little blue and green light. And there's a lot of the warmer tones, the reds, the oranges, and the yellows. That's why if you've ever watched the sun rise, it has a warmer hue to it. And as the day goes on, the color frequencies change. So by noon, we have the highest concentration of blue and green lights. And then afternoon, the blue and green lights decrease and the warmer colors increase up until sunset when we have like a pretty fucking red sunset. You know, like when you just look at the sun at sunset, it's pretty fucking red, right? And then it disappears from the horizon. Now, these different color frequencies have different energies to them. They communicate different things to us, and we have light receptors in our eyes that read these energy frequencies. So the warmer tones are more relaxing, and the blues and the greens are more energizing. When we see blue and green shades, our retinas respond by creating more cortisol. Cortisol is a chemical that is very energizing and energizing then has the side effect of also being kind of stress inducing. But sometimes we need that, right? And this is all by design. If you're living in accordance with nature, you tend to wake up with a decent amount of energy. And then by noon, your energy naturally slumps. So you actually need that blue and green frequency to re-energize you and give you a boost to make it throughout the day. And then as the blues and the greens decrease and you get more and more warm shades, what happens is it actually, if you look directly at the sunlight during sunset, for example, it prompts your brain to secrete melatonin, which then signals to your whole body that it's starting to become time for bed and you wind down and things like that. So in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with blue and green light. It just has to be in the right proportion at the right time. Now, the problem that we encounter is that our screens, particularly our phone screens, which is the one that we interact with constantly throughout the day, our phone screen has blue and green frequencies that are equivalent to the noon sun. Now, what happens is every single time that you look at your phone screen, you're telling your brain that it's noon, which if it's noon, great, beautiful, stunning. You're just reinforcing what's truth. But when it's 9 a.m., it's not noon, and your brain thinks that it's noon, it's going to start secreting all this cortisol, which will energize you, but it's also going to make you anxious. And it's also too much cortisol that causes all these problems, right? Inflammation, excess body fat, depression, etc. And that's because what goes up must come down. It's kind of like if you're just dropping Molly every morning at 9 a.m., like it would feel good for a minute, but then you get real fucking depressed. I mean, anyone who's like raved knows Molly feels great in the moment, but the next day or two days after, you feel like absolute dog shit because all of the feel-good chemicals in your brain have burned out. And so... And then the same is true at night. I mean, think about like it's fucking 9 p.m. You look at your phone screen and your brain's like, it's noon. 
time to party. Bring on the molly. Let's get some EDM going. That's a fucking problem. That's not what you want at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. is time to wind down. So when I say reduce screen time, my big thing actually really is to reduce the blue and green light exposure so that you can live in more accordance with nature. And how do you implement this? Number one, the biggest thing that everyone should do right now, and I actually have my phone with me so I can talk you through how to do it, is open your phone, excuse me, go to settings, scroll to display and brightness. Oh, sorry. This is for iPhone. I don't know how to do it on Android, but I'm sure there is a way. Click on night shift. Do exactly what I'm telling you because it's going to sound fucking weird. Turn on scheduled, turn on manually enable to tomorrow and color temperature, drag it all the way to more warm. Now under scheduled, you'll see a from and a to. This is going to sound weird, Trust me, schedule it from 2 p.m. I know it sounds weird, to 12 p.m. I know it sounds weird. Here's what happens. It's going to turn on, quote unquote, night shift all the time except for from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. But do it from right in your phone from 2 p.m. to 12 p.m. That's the right way to do it. And that way it'll always be on except for that 12 to 2 range. And the reason that it's not on in the 12 to 2 range is because your regular phone screen is equivalent to the 12 p.m. sun. So it's okay for it to have those blue and green levels during that time interval. But the rest of the time, it should be off because you don't want to send your brain the message that it's 12 p.m. when it's not 12 p.m. Okay, so that's the number one thing that everyone should do. The other thing is, like with everything else, start small. Where can you not scroll your phone. For example, I take my phone with me every fucking time that I pee. And that's because I have this weird pee anxiety, but I'm starting to get better. I mean, case in point, I pee in the elevator now. So in fact, I could stand to have more pee anxiety than I currently do. No, but my new thing is like, I'm going to start not taking my phone with me when I pee. Maybe that's something you can do. Note, I didn't say I'm not going to take my phone with me when I poo because that's crazy. Like, who the fuck would poo without their phone? And you know what? Some, maybe some people are there. Maybe some people have graduated to that level. I have not graduated to that level yet. I will always take my phone with me when I go to do number two. But who knows? Maybe next year I'll come on here on the first episode of 2025 and be like, this year I'm not going to take my phone with me when I poo. Who knows? Maybe I'll graduate to that level. I'm not at that level yet. Maybe you are. But I'm going to start peeing without my phone. One thing that I do is I don't take my phone into the bedroom with me at night anymore. I leave it out in the living room. Maybe you're not there yet. That's a big step. That's fine. Just take where you're at and take one step towards being less on your phone. Maybe while you watch TV, you don't need to be scrolling TikTok, right? That's one step. Just pick somewhere where you currently have your phone and take it away in one in some interval and then build on that. Okay. 
The fourth habit that you can implement this year that will take you towards your goals is mindfulness. Now, I have never, and by the way, by mindfulness, I don't mean like meditation. What I mean is to literally be present and be mindful when you're doing things. I have never been a very mindful person. In fact, I was so like I was living in my own fairy tale fantasy daydream land my entire fucking life to the point where I barely remember 90% of what happened throughout my entire life because I was just living in a fantasy life that honestly is like really common for children who grew up in abusive households but we're not talking about that right now so let's just move right along but I (laughs) I have a story that really, really illustrates this. So when I was um, 15, I want to say, there was this guy that I was obsessed with, obsessed with. I'm trying to decide if I should give him a nickname or if I should be really, really toxic. And no, 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 we're not going to use his real name. Let's call him Blake. Okay. This guy, Blake, he was a couple years older than me. He had gone to my high school, but not the same time as me because he was at my high school before I was there. But then I think he got kicked out because he got in a lot of trouble. And then he was like literally exported from the country because he was originally from Holland. Anyway, so um, what did we call him? Blake. Blake. Blake and I were hanging out a lot during this time. I barely remember, but I uh, like one of the biggest crushes I've ever had on anyone ever. And one day Blake came over to my house and no one was home. My parents were gone. My brother was gone. And I remember we were like hanging out in the living room. And I remember at some point we made out like Spider-Man style, like upside down, like his like I don't remember the logistics of it. I just remember it was upside down. I think I was sitting on the couch and he was standing behind me and then he leaned over and we kissed. So like you you get the concept of upside down. I don't have to keep explaining it. Like his eyes are up. No, his eyes are down. My eyes are up. You get it anyway. And then I guess we went upstairs into my bedroom. And so we're laying in bed and we're making out. And I was a virgin. Like we weren't going to fuck or anything like that. But we were making out in my bed and all of a sudden we hear a car pull up and I look out the window and my brother is home and I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like, this is the worst thing that could have, like, it low-key could have been worse for my brother to walk in than if my parents had walked in. Like, for sure worse than my mom. I don't know. I can't decide between my dad and my brother, but whatever. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay go hide in the closet. I like had a big walk-in closet. So he's in the closet and I run downstairs to go like say, you know, to like meet my brother because I'm like freaking the fuck out. And he's like, oh, whose car is outside? And I was like, um, it's, um, it's, it's Varda's. Varda was my best friend at the time. I mean, we're still super close, but you know, we're like best friends would hang out all the time at the time. And he knew her. And so he's like, oh, cool. She's here. And I was like, no. And he's like, what? No, it's like her car stopped working. So she left it here. And I think her brother slash her brother's friend are going to come pick it up. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, so what's your plan? And he's like, 
uh, I'm going to take a shower, get changed and go meet my friends. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Great, great, great. What can I do to help expedite that process and <laughs> get you in and out of here as quickly as possible? And he's like, okay, fucking weirdo. Bye. <laughs> and so he's, and I'm like, literally like, like his shadow. I'm on him like white on rice. He's like, what the fuck is going on with you? <laughs> it's like the most stressed I've ever been. Also like Loki's super sexually frustrated because we're, you know, we were just making out whatever and like kind of like dry humping, you know, like, don't you miss those days? How fun was that shit? Okay. Anyway, so He's like trying to get in the shower and I'm like really just being so weird, just trying to get things going. And he's like trying to find these shorts that he wanted to change into and he can't find them. And so he's like looking everywhere and I'm trying to help him. And he's like, have you seen them? Like today I was like, I'll go find them. I'm like in the laundry room. I'm checking our parents' room. I'm checking everywhere. And he's like, do you think they're in your closet? Maybe like sometimes Alicia, who is the cleaning lady, like sometimes she uh, puts things in the wrong room. And I was like, no. He's <laughs> like, He's like, let me just go check in your closet. Maybe they're in there. And I'm like, absolutely not. They are not there. And he's like, what the fuck is going on with you? I was like, no, no, they are not in the closet. They are not in the fucking closet. And he's like, oh my God, like, are you okay? And I was like, I just re-cleaned and reorganized the closet. Trust me, your shorts are not in the fucking closet. I'm positive. In my head, I'm like, is this out of a fucking movie? This man has not once shown any interest in my closet. And the one time, the one fucking time that I have a boy hiding in my closet is the one time that he wants to go check to see if something's in that closet. Like, you can't write this shit. Like, if I saw this on a reality show, I would have thought it was scripted. But I'm telling you, I lived it. It was so fucking real. And I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will fucking help you find the shorts. I just know for a fact, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that you're not in the closet and also there's asbestos in the closet and there's there's there might be anthrax in the I don't know it's it's toxic don't go in there like there's there's nuts you're allergic to nuts right you can't go in the closet no they're not in the closet there's they're not there's a monster in the closet do not go in the closet and he's like okay like you fucking weirdo so I guess we find the shorts whatever he gets in the shower. I'm like practically holding his hand until he's in the shower. I like keep going to check. I'm like, the water's running. Are you, are you in the shower yet? He's like, are you okay? Like, is there like, has something happened to you? I'm like, honestly, like, no, I'm not okay. In fact, take me in for a mental health eval. If they had done that back in high school, maybe things would have turned out differently for me. Anyway, so he finally fucking gets in the shower and I go in the closet. And I'm like, like, get the fuck out now. And he's like, okay, okay. So he like runs outside and he actually, um, credit on him, goes and like pretends to fix the car for a while in case my brother got out of the shower and looked out the window or something. So he would see something that tracked and then he drove off and my brother gets out of the closet and he's like, oh, Varda's car is gone. And I was like, mm, yeah, her brother's friend came and fixed it and left. And he was like, wow, that was all really quick. And I was like, yeah, well. <laughs> Fun things happen when you get in the shower. What can I say? And so my brother leaves and I call Varda and I was like, yo, number one, I'm going to die. Number two, this just happened. Number three, be aware the next time you see my brother, 
to adhere to this whole story about your car breaking down. Your brother's friend came and revved it up and took it and left. And she's like, cool, 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 cool. Um, so he didn't notice that it wasn't my car. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, Blake has a white car. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. And, and she's like, well, my car is black. And I was like, oh, and she's like, he didn't notice. And I was like, bitch, no, like not only did he not notice, but I've ridden in both of your cars no fewer than 645 times. And I didn't even notice until right now when you told me, in fact, I think you could have rocked up to my house in a fucking red ass car. And I would have gotten in and not noticed that it wasn't your car. And that is what I mean when I say I was living in such extreme autopilot that I didn't notice even in that highly stressful situation when your senses tend to be a little bit more acute that these cars were literally opposite colors. It didn't even occur to me. And when I tell you she truly like she could have showed up with a green car the next day and I would have been like, hey, what's up, babe? Like I would not have noticed like I was just living in such autopilot. And the thing is, I think it's like 96% of people live like this. Like we are so not mindful. We just live our lives just not even observing anything that's happening. Now, I have another story that's the opposite of this. So I have this friend, Catherine, and Catherine was working a corporate job that she left in 2020. Now, in 2020, when she was still at her corporate job, she was earning $120,000 a year, which is an amazing salary. She started this side hustle. And within a few months, she started making six-figure months. And so she's like, okay, I earned more money this month than I did in a year at my corporate job. I'm quitting my corporate job. She quits her corporate job and she's earning consistently six-figure months. Over the past three years, she's gotten to the point where she will have six, sometimes seven-figure days. Okay, this bitch is rich. I was talking to her recently and I was like, baby girl, how the fuck are you doing this? Like, what is your secret here? And among other things, she said the two real keys for why she's able to earn so much money. Number one is doing active breath work. And that for her has just increased her stress tolerance to the point where she can do anything. She's superwoman and she doesn't get stressed. But the other thing, and this is the real kicker to me, she said she works a quarter, if not less, the amount than she ever has in her life, yet she earns way fucking more. And that she credits to the fact that she's really fucking mindful. And because she's so mindful, she's so effective and she's so productive that she barely works. She barely fucking works. I think she said on average, she works like 15 to 20 hours a week on average. I mean, that's nuts. And she earns seven figures in a day sometimes, not every single day, but sometimes in a day. I mean, that is 
crazy. She has a multi-million dollar business. And here's the thing. It's actually not that fucking crazy. And I was doing research on it and mindfulness really. And again, I'm not talking about meditation. I'm talking about literally being mindful. I'm talking about literally being present. I'm talking about living your day-to-day life, being observant of what's happening around you, not thinking about the future, not thinking about the past, or the fast, but just being mindful about what's actually happening to you. And mindfulness has scientifically been proven to make you more productive, to make you more effective, to make you less depressed, to make you less anxious. But here's the really cool part. There are brain scans that actually show how mindfulness increases the gray matter in your brain. And specifically, there are two areas of the brain where we've really seen over and over again in brain scans have increased. The first is the anterior cingulate cortex. I'm having a hard time reading my own handwriting here, but it's an area of your brain, the ACC, that's related to self-regulation. And the other is the hippocampus, which among other things is related to stress and depression. And so we can really show physiologically with brain scans that mindfulness is linked to having more emotional regulation and also having a higher and stronger sense of self, self. I was saying self, but self is what I meant to say. Don't mind me. I'm just really popping off over here. But here's the thing. Okay, now we know why to be more mindful. Here is how. Like with everything else, I say start small. Now, one real quick, easy, dirty trick for being mindful is to tap into your five senses. And that's because when you tap into your five senses, you automatically come to the present moment. Like you can't be thinking about what happened yesterday or what you need to do later on today while being in your five senses because your five senses are happening right now. So like one of those easy quick tricks, right, is like the five, four, three, two, one that I'm sure everyone knows. It's five things you can see, four things you can hear, um, three things you can feel, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. One variation of this that I really like because I think that that can be a little bit broad and difficult to implement, especially with the smelling and the tasting because you can't always, like I have a weak sense of smell, so that's my thing, but you can't always taste things. Like that can be a little bit more niche. And also like five things you can see, like you usually can see 10,000 things. So I always like to say five colors, pick five colors that you can see four things that you can hear and really like tap in. Like if you really get silent, you'll see there's so much static noise all the time and little sounds that you are disengaging with. And also you can, um, amplify or reduce sounds if you really concentrate like you can make a background sound get way louder in your head and vice versa and then for the last two like if you're in a situation where you can't really smell or taste things I always like to just change it up and play with things like sometimes I'll do like two things that you're grateful for and one thing that you like about yourself or something like that whatever But the big thing is to really make this a habit. And the way that I recommend making this a habit is pick an activity that you're already doing and try to be really mindful with that activity. So it can be something like washing your hands, brushing your teeth, um, 
eating is a really good one. Mindful eating is such an important tool. Okay, let's move on to the next habit. Okay, following your triggers. I actually have a story about this that just happened to me. Like it literally happened this week. So I have this really close friend who's an amazing, amazing friend. I'm I'm trying to come up with a name. Let's call her Rose. So Rose... We were in a group chat and she passed on this joke. So her boyfriend made some joke about, I'm not going to repeat the joke, but basically the joke was kind of insulting to Persian people, like Persian men specifically. But so she's like, oh, haha, you might think this is funny. And I read it and I was like, huh why would I think this is funny? Like it's making fun of people in my culture. Why would I think this is funny? And I was like pretty hurt and upset. And here's the thing. Rose is like the sweetest, nicest, like most amazing friend in no way, shape or form. Did she intend to hurt or upset me? But that goes without saying people generally don't tend to hurt or upset anyone. But also like she had like the best, most nicest intentions. And I actually, I understand why it's like it was it was a joke that was similar to a type of joke that I've made in the past. And also like it was funny and it wasn't that deep. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Persian people are terrorists or just something like really off color and awful. Like it was a funny joke that wasn't that deep. Nevertheless, it did really hurt my feelings. And I did talk to her about it. And I really explained, I was like, listen, like as someone who's not white, like one thing that always weighs on you is the fact that you're not white and you always kind of feel different and inferior and um, dirty in a way. Like I remember growing up, I used to like really, really scrub my skin when I was in the shower because I wanted to literally peel the melanin off so I could be more white and be more like other people. Like these are very real things that we deal with. Nevertheless, when this happened, I remember thinking, okay, One thing that I know in life and that I really, really practice is that your triggers are clues for where you have unprocessed trauma and they can really point you in that direction. And so I have this very strong habit. Anytime something upsets me, even if it rightfully upsets me, and I think this is a good example because I don't know a lot of people other than like really hardcore Trump supporters who would ever disagree with the fact that I had every right to be upset in this scenario. Even like when I say it out loud, it actually sounds even crazier than what it was. Like people would be like, oh my God, what the fuck? Like, I can't believe that, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It sounds like a situation where unequivocally I have a right to be upset. Nevertheless, I was like, okay, like if I'm having a reaction to this, there's probably something deeper there. So like, when have I felt like this before? And I didn't put a lot of pressure on it. I just kind of bookmarked it and I let it go. And then later that night when I was in bed, 
something hit me like a ton of bricks, this whole incident that I completely fucking forgot about. So when I was in high school, early high school, I believe I was a sophomore, I took a sociology class and we had this teacher who is this like really old white guy who I actually, he was like really, really progressive and he was always rumored to be gay. I mean, this was back in the day when people like you couldn't be an openly gay teacher at a public high school, which is crazy to think about. Like, am I that old or is it nuts how much we've moved in the world? Or is that still, that's not still the case, right? Like, good God, that is not still the case, right? Like you can fucking be openly gay teaching at a public high school now, right? I mean, that's crazy to think that that really wasn't possible then, but it really wasn't. I mean, I'm not saying like the school board would openly fire you, but like people would have complained. Like it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting the way we have historically treated people who are different from us. In particular, I think like the LGBTQ, like just so recently, so, and like people still suffer. Okay. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm just saying I do like, I, it's not like he was this like macho conservative white guy. That's not the case at all, but I want to kind of explain a little bit of the context of the story. So he would talk a lot about how there are, you know, white, like waspy people, right? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant kind of people who run this country essentially for the most part. I mean, most of our presidents have been wasps. Keep in mind, this is well before Obama was president. We've had a few Catholic presidents, but most of them have been wasps. And that tends to be what rules the country. And that tends to be the kind of like Mayflower a mindset and that tends to be what is like the elite in this country. And then he had he had everyone go around the room <laughs> and announce their race and religion and what they would want in a partner. And it was right after he had explained all of this. So I actually really think the answers could have been different if he hadn't just said this, but it's like he primed everyone. And we go around the room and almost every single person said that they were a wasp and that they were looking to marry a wasp. And I'm pretty sure I was the only non-white person. There were definitely a couple of Catholic people in the room, but I'm pretty sure I was the only non-white person. And I just had to hear 40 different kids in a row go, I'm white, I'm Protestant, and I want a white and Protestant person. And I was like, cool. I'm literally gonna off myself like what the fuck and I was 14 at the time and I remember the message that I very loudly and very fucking clearly received was you're not good enough you will never be good enough no matter what you do no one in this room wants you because of the circumstances you were born into. Even if I were to convert into some kind of Protestant Christian religion, I still will never be white. Like, I will still never be good enough for every single person. There was not one person in that room who said they were willing to marry a non-white person. Not one person in that fucking room. I, I mean, and I completely had forgotten 
forgotten that this whole thing happened. But ever since that day, I don't like, and that wasn't the first time that I had experienced, you know, messages of you're different, you're other. I mean, my very first day of preschool in Germany, the very first German words that I learned were go home foreigner. Okay. Like I had experienced a lot of things that had implanted that I'm not good enough and that I'm different and stuff. But that was different because I was a little bit older, but I also wasn't old enough to be like, what the fuck, guys? Like, are you aware of what's happening in here? Like, I didn't have that languaging. I had such shame. Like, I wanted to run out of the room because I was like, I'm so sorry that I'm here, guys. Like, I I wish I was white. Like, I wish I could do something about this. I wish I could change it, but I can't. I can't, okay? And ever since then, I've really felt like I'm not good enough and I will never be good enough. And that's the thing with our goals. And going back to the top of the episode, a lot of the reasons why we don't achieve our goals are because of limiting beliefs that we have. And the thing is, our brains are this complex ball of nerves that take all of our experiences and use them as evidence as to why something is or why something is not possible. In this scenario, I had this incident, I had this memory that really implanted into me that I will never be good enough for a lot of things. Like, in fact, for a really long time, I didn't think a white guy would ever be into me. I truly, like, truly didn't think a white guy would ever be interested in me because I had this whole incident where every single white person in a room told me that they would never look at someone who looked like me, right? Like very clearly I received that message, but it went way deeper than just romantic or dating life. Like the way it imprinted in my mind is that I'll never be successful. Like I'll never achieve certain goals. And now it makes a lot of sense to me why I tried so hard to whitewash myself and assimilate it was actually from that very moment that I, I've talked in the past about how I used to be like a little bit politically conservative and stuff. And I used to work in conservative policy. And it was after that incident that I went into all of these things because I was like, okay, I'm not white by birth and by skin color. How can I make myself more white so that I like I have to be better in every other way to make up for this default and this shortcoming on my part. And this is a massive limiting belief that I've had my entire fucking life that I couldn't see. And here's the thing, our subconscious mind creates our reality. And by definition, we can't see our subconscious mind. But Our triggers, our trailheads that point us towards these subconscious thoughts and these subconscious limiting beliefs. So if you can take your triggers and you can follow them and get to the root, then you can find that limiting belief and you can excavate it out. And that's why it's so fucking important to do that. So when this thing happened with Rose, instead of being like, fuck Rose, like I can't believe she would say that or whatever. Instead, I was like, okay, 
I'm feeling some kind of way. I'm sure this points to something. When have I felt this before? And I didn't put a lot of pressure on it. I let it go, but I, I was mindful of it. I, you know, I kept it there in the back of my mind, unlike that whole incident with Blake and his car color, but I had it there. And then it came to me. And then as soon as it came to me, I started to be able to actually work through it and unpack it and reprogram it and reprocess that trauma. And if you guys have questions as to how I did that, we can talk about that in another episode. But that's we don't have time for that here right now today. But that's a really important step that I took. And now I'm able to work through these limiting beliefs and actually get to my goals. So Please, 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 if you want to know how to implement this, every single time that you get upset, that you get stressed, that you get flustered, that you feel shame, that you feel some kind of emotional pain, you feel anger, whatever word you want to use for it. Sometimes people uh, are sensitive to the word trigger. Fine, don't use the word trigger, whatever the fuck works for you. But anytime you feel some kind of quote unquote negative emotion Write down what happened, write down how it made you feel, and just get really curious as to when you felt it in the past, because I can guarantee you, you have experienced something like this in the past, and this incident can point you to where you felt this in the past, and you can work through the root of it and come out the other side, because that's what life is about. We're trying to reach our fucking goals. You know what happens when you do strength training, when you lift weights, when you do resistance training, you literally tear your muscles, literally tear them. They're breaking. They're little, little micro tears. But what happens is the next day, the day after, whatever, when those muscles repair, they become stronger, they become bigger, and they become better. And the same thing happens here. When you're triggered, it kind of tears you. It kind of micro breaks you a little bit. But if you can use it as a trailhead to where the deep core wound is and you can work through that deep core wound, then just like how the muscle repairs and it becomes stronger, you can repair and become stronger. You can excavate that limiting belief and get rid of it. And you become stronger. You become better. You become more powerful. And you can actually reach your fucking goals. Okay, moving on to the next habit. Radical self-honesty. Okay, guys, we talked about this like I want to say two weeks ago, and something really funny actually happened, right? So I record, record this entire podcast where I really talk about how every time that someone triggers you or you judge them or you dislike something about someone, it's actually pointing to something that you dislike about yourself. And there's a very specific energy with this where it's like a lot of like, it's a little bit childish when it happens. Like your reaction tends to be a little bit childish, like, oh, fuck this person and like, ugh, I just really hate this thing about this person. It's a very specific energy, right? And I really talked about how it takes 
a radical amount of self-awareness to really notice this because it's so much easier to just be like, fuck that person. I hate this thing about that person. And right after I recorded the podcast about this, something happened in my life. It was literally like the universe was like, all right, bitch, you think you're self-aware? Let's see. Let's put it to the fucking test. Okay. So let me backtrack. So I have this friend, Cornelia, and Cornelia has a husband and a child. Um, sorry, I don't, I, I just want to check to make sure that the camera is still recording because I thought I heard it go. Okay, we good, we good, we good. So my friend Cornelia has a husband and a two-year-old child, and they were in New York a few weeks ago whenever I was recording that podcast, right? And we were supposed to hang out one day, but my work schedule got all like moved around and stuff. And so I was like, I'll hit you up when I'm done recording, but I don't know if the timing will work out because I know you have a two-year-old that you're traveling with, that you're staying in a hotel room with, et cetera. So I finished recording at 7 p.m. And I know that they put the kid down around like 7.30 or so. And so I texted Cornelia and I was like, hey, I just finished recording. Like, I are you guys like starting to wind down for bed? Like, I know it might not work out, but just in case I throw out a Hail Mary. Cornelia doesn't respond until 9.30. And she goes, yeah, we're winding down for bed. And I was like, well, yeah, no shit. I'm winding down for bed at this point and I don't even have a child. Like it's bedtime now. But when I asked you at 7 p.m., it was still up for discussion, you know? And I was so fucking pissed. Like I was seeing red. I was so angry. Like I was feeling all these things. And so the next day I'm talking to my friend about it and I was like, I'm so fucking irritated with Cornelia and I can't put my finger on why, but like I just recorded a podcast about this and I can just feel with how kind of childish my energy is about this. I know that it's actually pointing to something within me. I just can't put my finger on what it is. And so I'm like whining about all these things and how I'm, you know, like changing my whole work schedule around and my whole life around to go see them and accommodate them and this and that. And my friend goes, well, I mean, it sounds like Cornelia is just really inconsiderate of you and your time and your schedule. And when she said the word inconsiderate, it boom, went off like a light bulb for me. And I was like, oh, I know what's going on here. Okay, so let me backtrack. So I have this friend who I've talked about on this pod before, Penelope. And Penelope got married really young and started having kids really young. And when Penelope started having kids, none of, like, we were, like, in our 20s. We're all partying and shit. Like, none of us knew anything about kids. So I remember one time she came to New York and... Um, basically like her husband was coming for work. So she came with him and they had a kid and I really was incredibly inconsiderate of their schedule in my defense. I didn't know how kids worked and like, I didn't like, I didn't have a bedtime as a kid. Like my parents 
like I went to bed when I went to bed it was usually like 10 p.m like my parents didn't have like these hard like oh she has to go down from this time to this time which is common in parenting nowadays like my parents didn't do that shit like like they would take me out if I fell asleep I fell asleep like it wasn't like it just it was just a very different parenting style so and ever since then I have ever since I was a child I've not been around kids so I knew nothing about kids when Penelope had kids and I remember she like really went off on me and how like inconsiderate and selfish I am and all of these things and I really internalized that and ever since I've been so hypersensitive to like being inconsiderate and so when Cornelia was doing something that was like quote unquote inconsiderate it didn't bother me that she was being inconsiderate towards me what bothered me I put it together was the insinuation that I was being inconsiderate even though Cornelia didn't even insinuate that but what really was driving me crazy was I had texted her at seven when there was some question of like, okay, are you guys sleeping yet or not? Whereas at 9.30, like I know that they're in bed at 9.30 because they have a two-year-old child. I'm aware of that now, thanks to Penelope. (laughs) Maybe I wouldn't have been without Penelope. And so to me, I was seeing red because I was like, yeah, of course you're in bed. It wasn't because she responded two and a half hours later, whatever, that's her own thing. It was because I was like, well, I know that you're going to bed at 9.30. Like I wouldn't have texted you at 9.30 and asked if you were going to bed I asked you at seven but when you respond to me at 9 30 to me it was insinuating that I was so inconsiderate that I couldn't even see that they would be going to bed at 9 30 when they have a two-year-old child even though let me just highlight Cornelia in no way shape or form said or insinuated that I was being inconsiderate I just interpreted everything as an insinuate, like that other people are insinuating that I'm being inconsiderate because I'm hypersensitive to people thinking that I'm inconsiderate because of my experiences with Penelope. And (laughs) this is a very convoluted and complicated story, and I hope you guys are kind of following it. But here's the thing. We all have things that we are denying, that we are suppressing, that we can't see within ourselves because we've had experiences in life that have taught us that these things are so shameful that we should not face them. But the problem is ignorance gets you nowhere. Denial gets you nowhere. Defensiveness gets you nowhere. None of these things get you anywhere. But when you are radically, really radically honest with yourself, then you can find these pain and shame points that you've hidden and that you've repressed and suppressed within yourself and you can shine light on them and you can work through them and doing so will get you closer to your goals. Because when we're denying and suppressing things within us, it brings out this very ugly and very 
unhealed inner child side of us. It brings out a lot of resentment. It brings out a lot of snappiness. It makes us very nitpicky. It makes us very just difficult to be around, quite frankly. Like, you know, the people who are really high strung and just really annoying to be around, it's because they have a lot of parts of themselves that they're denying and they're repressing. On the other hand, the people who are able to really master radical self-honesty and radical self-awareness, those are the people who are just really light and free on this planet. And the worst thing that the denying and the suppressing can do is it often causes us to not fully shine our light and show our special sauce to the world. I have this friend, TJ, who TJ is from the South and he's gay. And he grew up really repressing his sexuality because he's from, you know, a Southern conservative community where being gay was really not accepted. But in addition to denying and suppressing his literal sexuality, like the fact that he likes to sleep with men, he also was denying and suppressing everything that he associated with being a gay man, which may or may not, like some of them are stereotypical things. So for example, like just being flamboyant, being showy, being very like open and out there and loud were all traits that his child brain associated with being a homosexual man. And because he lived in a community that constantly told him it was not okay to be homosexual, he not only was denying and suppressing the homosexuality within himself, but also all of those other traits within himself and so he was very like straight edge and type a and just very like by the book and even though he ended up coming out before I met him so he was like openly gay he was still very like type a and repressed and one thing that happened in our friendship I remember he A, always had these really big financial goals for his life that he wasn't able to meet. But the other thing that I noticed is he would constantly be really triggered by people who were just like loud and showy. And I remember there was this girl, Lily, that we were friends with. And Lily was the kind of girl who would like, like she was kind of like snooky on Jersey Shore. Like she would walk in and be like the life of the party and she'd dance on tables and she was just very like showy and extra and just very like flamboyant and over the top and TJ fucking hated Lily like he hated her like I've never seen someone so triggered by someone and I remember talking to him once and I was like what's going on here and it wasn't like it would Lily was one thing, but then there was this other guy, Michael, who was also like a little more outgoing and shiny and sparkly. And TJ also really hated him. So when it was the second one, I was like, I think there's something going on here, TJ. And I remember really talking to him about it and we were able to excavate it together. And he realized that he had such strong societal programming around what is and what is not acceptable. And so he was really denying and suppressing 
suppressing these parts of himself. And through doing some trauma work and doing kind of the type of work that I teach in the Blush Academy, you know, the neural rewiring practices and stuff, he was able to really see and accept these traits and embrace them within himself. And TJ is now a multimillionaire because TJ, his life's calling, his life's work was to be a performer. And he was always suppressing this within himself. He didn't want to be seen. He didn't want to shine. He didn't want to sparkle because he had that thing that he was denying and suppressing within himself. But actually, TJ is a very sparkly person. He just couldn't share his shine because he had that. But when he was able to be really radically self-aware and be really radically honest with himself, he was able to see this work through it, get past it, and actually meet his life's work. So learn from TJ and be really fucking radically honest with yourself. And if you're like, okay, that's cool. How the fuck do I do this? Here's how. Every single time you see someone who you dislike, who you see someone who bothers you, someone who annoys you, ask yourself what you don't like about them. And then don't ask if, just know that thing that you don't like about them you have within yourself and find where within yourself you have it. It's not an if, it is. Just accept it and just find where you have it and then work on integrating it. And once you integrate it, you will be so, you will radiate, you will shine differently in the way that you authentically on a soul level are meant to shine and radiate. It looks different for every person, but once you get there, you can actually achieve your goals and your true dream life. Okay, we have just one habit left. I'm going to try to make it really quick. I'm literally terrified. I can't believe the camera is still going. I feel like it died like 20 minutes ago last week. But honestly, if it dies, I will change out the battery. It's just a pain in the ass for me. So hopefully it doesn't happen. Okay, the very last habit that I want you to integrate this year is to truly become your own best friend. Okay, let me explain what I mean by that. And to explain it, let me backtrack a little bit, actually. So remember how I said my entire childhood, I lived in a bubble and I was like the least mindful person ever and I had no idea what the fuck was going on ever? I was constantly in a daydream fantasy land. And one thing consistently throughout my life up until just a few years ago I would always daydream and fantasize about was like my group of friends and my boyfriend, my like imaginary, like the things that I wanted, right? Like I wanted this robust group of friends and I wanted this boyfriend and I'd always daydream and fantasize about this boyfriend, like really always supporting me. And one thing I've always had is like, I've had this very strange fear of the bed, like not the bed specifically, but going to bed at nighttime. And listen, that's a story for another time. We can psychoanalyze that another time. But one thing I'd always do when I'd lay in bed at night is I would visualize like my future soulmate, like holding me and comforting me in bed. And I've always done this up until a few years ago when I was really addressing the anxious attachment piece. And that's when I was like, wait, 
I'm not going to do this anymore. From now on, when I feel anxious, stressed, or any kind of way, I'm going to picture the highest version of myself comforting me instead of this you know, this imaginary person. And it wasn't long after I started implementing that, that I got together with my current partner, Ozzy, and we fell in love and everything's magical and great and whatever. And I actually think it's a really key piece in me moving from anxious attachment to secure attachment. And I really truly think even if you have the partner of your dreams, the friend group of your dreams, the job, the home, all of these things of your dreams, you truly have to be your own best friend in order to be happy. But more on the nose, I really truly believe that in most circumstances, In order to have the partner of your dreams, the home of your dreams, the friend group, the job, whatever it is that you want, you really need to be your own best friend. And let me explain why. When your sense of self-worth, when your sense of self really is defined by the partner, the job, the money, the friends, the apartment, or anything outside of yourself... You live in a prison of your own creation. And that's because you're tethered to those things. When your sense of self-worth comes from something outside of you, then if you lose that thing, you lose your sense of self. So you are always tethered to it. You're never truly free. But when you have a really strong connection with yourself, when you're your own best friend, then you are truly free, then you are not tethered to anything, then you're not beholden to anyone and you can be anything, you can do anything. I genuinely believe that the reason, listen, my relationship is the thing that I'm the most proud of in my life. It's the thing that I'm the best at. It's the thing that's the best in my life. Like, Our relationship is really fucking solid and it's really fucking good and I'm really proud of it. And I think the biggest reason why it's so good is because I know that at any point, if anything changes, I have no problem walking away. And the reason I have no problem walking away is because my relationship with myself is so strong. I can never lose because I always have me. So I don't need Ozzy to make me happy. I don't need Ozzy to be good. I don't need Ozzy to be in my life. I don't need anything from Ozzy. He adds to it. And the minute that he stops adding to it, I'm fine saying bye because I always have me. And that's the most important relationship. When you truly master connecting with yourself, when you truly become your own best friend, you become untouchable and you can truly shine in this world and you can get anything that you want because you no longer need anything. You won't approach anything with desperate energy. Instead, you'll have that full deserving energy. And so if you're hearing this and you're like, cool, bitch, how do I integrate it? Number one, if you, like me, have any sort of habit of like visualizing other people comforting you or being there for you or whatever, switch that real quick to 
visualizing your highest self comforting you, being with you. And on top of that, actually make visualizing, connecting with your highest self a regular habit. Like really sit and have conversations with the highest, the best version of yourself. The other thing that I really advocate for doing is planning little solo dates for yourself and start small, start with things that are easy for you. Maybe you just go on walks by yourself or you don't listen to music or podcasts. Um, I mean, always listen to Blush, but you know, um, or maybe, you know, you go to a coffee shop once a week and just spend time by yourself. Um, eventually you can graduate to harder things, you know, do the things that you always said, like, oh, I would never do that by myself. Like go on a trip or go out to dinner or go to a bar or whatever it is, but really be intentional in truly cultivating that relationship with yourself. Okay, there we have it. Those are the seven habits. Now, before we wrap up, I want to talk about how to actually integrate a habit because when you're starting to try to do something new, it takes a lot of willpower to do that thing. But once it becomes a habit, you no longer need willpower to do that thing. So what we're trying to do over here is integrate these things to become habits so that they're just routines, they're automatics in your life and you don't need willpower to do them. And then these habits will then make it such that you can actually achieve your real goals and dreams this year or more broadly speaking, in this lifetime. And there are five steps to making something a habit. The first step is to pick one thing at a time. Multitasking is not real. Multitasking is a myth. Monotasking is where it's at. So pick one of the seven that's most important to you right now or that just seems the most accessible or whatever it is, but just pick one and run with that one. So hypothetically, I'm just going to run an example through this. Let's say it's exercise. Okay. So pick one. Step number two, be very clear on why you want to integrate this habit. So let's say you have a big goal this year of um, earning six figures. Okay. So you've heard everything that I said and you realize that in order to be able to be more productive, to think clearer, to have better memory, to be in a better mood, etc., exercise is a great tool for getting there. So be very clear every time you think about it, you're integrating, you're building this exercise habit because you have this financial goal that you want to achieve. Or maybe it's a relationship goal. You want to find a partner and you know that in the past you fucked up relationships because you can be irritable or you can get jealous or whatever. And you know how big of a role exercise plays in regulating and strengthening your nervous system. And so that's your why. Whatever it is, be very clear clear on your why because you're going to need that as motivation. You know, I um, listened to this podcast a while ago where BJ Novak was interviewed and he was talking about his first time directing something. And he said that the best advice that he got, I can't remember who gave this to him, was that you only need to know two things. You need to know what you want and you need to know how to get it. And this was specifically about directing. But I think that this really applies to life, except it's missing one thing that's really important. You need to know why, because when things get difficult, you have to anchor into your why. 
So get very, very clear on your why. Step three is to start really, really small. We've been talking about this with all of the habits. You want to take the smallest step in the right direction towards integrating this as a habit, but it has to be something that you can actually adhere to. So starting by going to the gym every day for 30 to 60 minutes is crazy. That would be a crazy way to start. You want to start by doing eight minute abs or, you know, 20 squats or 20 jumping jacks or something like that. And once that becomes a habit, build to it, build on it. Step four is to habit stack. And that means exactly what it sounds like. So you want to combine the new habit that you're trying to integrate with a habit that you already have. So let's say every morning you make coffee and it takes, I actually know nothing about making coffee, but like let's say it takes five minutes for the coffee machine. Coffee Is that what it's called? A coffee machine? <laughs> The coffee, is that like, is that literally what it's called or do I sound crazy? I don't know. Um, the Keurig, Keurig is a thing, right? Whatever. It takes five minutes for the coffee machine. <laughs> I don't know if like what I'm saying is like literally what it's called or if it's like I'm like calling a car like a driving machine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like let's say it takes five minutes for the coffee machine to make your coffee. During those five minutes, you could be doing squats or you could be doing abs or you could, you know what I mean? Stack it onto an already existing habit. And then the last step, and this one is really fucking important, mental rehearsal. Now, if you're in the Blush Academy, I'm sure you've seen there is a neural rewiring practice that's called mental rehearsal, where you literally just visualize yourself doing the thing. But here's what's really important. Don't visualize the outcome that you want. Visualize yourself taking the steps that are necessary towards reaching that outcome, right? Like I remember when I was studying for the bar, I would visualize myself like opening the letter and seeing that I passed the bar, but that was the wrong thing to do. What I should have been doing is I should have been visualizing myself studying for the bar every single day even when I didn't feel like it. So going back to the exercise habit, uh, the trying to make exercise a habit, don't visualize yourself having this like lean and cut and toned body. No, visualize yourself every day getting up and putting on your workout clothes and going and doing your workout, especially on the days when you really don't fucking feel like it, because then it strengthens the part of your brain. So when you're actually encountering that situation, and by the way, this is like shown in study after study after study that it's incredibly effective to visualize yourself rehearsing doing something. And then when the situation comes and that day comes and you're like, I don't fucking feel like doing this, you're going to actually do it. So I'll illustrate the five steps through the habit that I really want to integrate this year, and that's mindfulness. And I think I've come a long way on this, but I think there's a lot, like I have a lot further I need to go. And I know, okay, so step one, I've picked the one habit, right? It's mindfulness. Step two, the reason that I want to really master this is I have really big career goals for this year. And I know to reach these career goals, I need to be sharper. I need to be faster. I need to be mentally quicker. I need better memory. I need all of these things. And so mindfulness is a really big part of that for me. 
And so step three, start small. I'm not going to like go and, you know, join like a Buddhist monastery. I'm not going to go do like a silent meditation retreat or something crazy or drastic like that. And that's, by the way, a big part of why retreats are so ineffective because people go and they're great there, but then they come back and it's not integrated into their lives at all. But that's a topic for another time. Anyway, um, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set an intention to be mindful for just two to five minutes a day, every single day. Step four, I'm going to stack it onto an an existing habit. So I was thinking washing my hands might be a good time for me to practice being mindful. And by that, I mean when I go to wash my hands and I wash my hands every single day, that's a habit that I have at some point, multiple times a day, in fact, I wash my hands. So when I turn on the water, I'm going to look at the flow of the water. I'm going to listen to the sound of the water. I'm going to really feel the temperature of the water and the way the soap feels on my hands and the way my hands feel when they're rubbing each other. Ooh, this is getting kind of sexy. And I'm really gonna and you know I'm gonna smell like does this soap smell like anything hopefully I won't be able to taste anything during the whole hand washing excursion but who knows sometimes I'm not good at it and things splash and lord knows I like to talk so maybe a little soap gets in my mouth and I can pay attention to how the soap tastes in my mouth anyway you get where I'm going, but I'm really setting an intention. And that's all I'm starting with. I'm not even trying to be mindful for the bigger things. I just want to pick one activity that I already do, a habit I already have, and stack mindfulness on top of that. And the last step is I've tried to make this a habit before and I've always fucking forgotten. So every time I remember, I'm just going to visualize myself being really mindful while I wash my hands and really tuning into my my five senses while I wash my hands. And by mentally rehearsing doing that, hopefully when I go to wash my hands, I actually remember to be mindful while I wash my hands. So there you have it. Those are the five steps for integrating new habits. Got this episode has gone on for 20,000 years. Okay. All that we have left is, um, where is this? Foods that make you blush. Okay, so for this episode this week, we are focusing on foods that really support gut health and brain health because a healthy gut and a healthy brain means being able to make decisions, implement changes, and truly reach your goals. So I have a few foods for this. Number one, walnuts. Walnuts are really rich in ALAs, which is a type of omega-3 fatty acid, which is really, really great for brain health. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are very rich in tryptophan, which is a type of amino acid. But this tryptophan in sweet potatoes is a lot more absorbable than in other sources like turkey, for example. And tryptophan is really great for brain health, for mood, etc. Saffron. Saffron is a Persian spice. Um, Saffron is really great for mood, for libido, and for memory. It's excellent for brain health. Beans, Great source of soluble fiber, really supportive of both the gut and the brain. And two supplements, actually, um, like things that 
I would consider supplementing with. One is vitamin D, especially if you're in the northern hemisphere, it's winter right now. Most people are deficient in vitamin D to begin with, but you know, in the winter, we're showing way less skin. We're out in the sun a lot less, and there just isn't as much sunlight. So I would consider supplementing. I think Symbiotica is a really beautiful vitamin D supplement. And the other is omega-3s. I would look for sources that come from the ocean. Again, I think Symbiotica is a really great one that's actually plant-based. It comes from sea algae, and it's a very highly absorbable form of omega-3s. Um, so that's that on the foods that make you blush. And per usual, we are going to wrap up the episode with gratefuls. And I really invite you as you listen to me say three things that I'm grateful for this week to also list three things that you are grateful for this week. And the reason that we do it is because it's scientifically proven to make you happier, to make you um, more positive, to make you more pleasant to be around, to make you more productive, et cetera, et cetera. And the real key though is you don't want to repeat yourself. So you don't want to just say three things that you always say you're grateful for. You really want to find new things. And I really encourage you to scan your day and find things that you're truly grateful for. So I'm grateful that the camera somehow magically has not died so far. Yeah, to watch it die right now. But so far it hasn't. And for that, I'm really fucking grateful. Um, I am grateful... I'm, (laughs) oh, oh, I'm grateful that I found um, Japanese sweet potatoes at the farmer's market today. If you haven't ever had them, they're purple skin, but white flesh. If you let them caramelize in the oven for a really long time, like I'm talking like two hours at 325 or so, they caramelize so beautifully on the inside. It's like a fucking cake. I can't wait to eat them. And I am grateful. Oh, I'm grateful for this top. It's so cute and I haven't worn it yet. And yeah, I'm grateful that I have it on and that I'm not, you know, I thought it's the first episode of the year. I often like to wear the big cozy sweaters, but I was like, let's start this year off on a more fun note. Let's put the arms out. I got my arms waxed the other day. They're no longer super fucking hairy. I mean, it looks like I was wearing a sweater before. Um, And always every week, I'm grateful for you guys, but I don't use it as one of my three because otherwise I'd be too repetitive. But I'm grateful to be doing 2024 together, guys. We're going to fucking crush it this year. We are blush babes and we're going to live our most blushy kind of life. Okay. I'm being really cheesy. So I'm just going to sign off, but you guys know the drill rate review, subscribe. Honestly, it helps the show so much. Like if you could just take two minutes and do it, it helps so much. Please share this episode, share it with your family and friends, text it to people, Instagram story, it, put it in your Tinder profile, uh, you know, reach DM people with it. I don't care how you spread it, spread it far, spread it wide. Let's make the world a more blushy kind of place together. Okay. I love you guys so much. Happy New Year. Love you.